Hello, and welcome back to the return of all of those years ago, a classic album podcast. Um, I'm going to be doing the Beatles' ninth album. I don't know which one it is. <laughs> it's whatever comes after Sgt. Pepper, because it was late 1967. It was in, it sandwiched in between Sgt. Pepper and the White Album. Comes Magical Mystery Tour. A Magical Mystery Tour. <laughs> um and this album is released in two separate ways and i feel like i should explain that in the u.s magical mystery tour was released as the album that was normalized and the one that you can find most likely today um in the uk version it was the only u.s album to be normalized when they made the cds in 1987 um and if you go on spotify or any music streaming, you'll find the album Magical Mystery Tour. Um, and like I said before, it was the only U.S. album to be normalized, and every other one is a U.K. release. The U.K. release of Magical Mystery Tour was an EP that only had like five or six songs. I have the EP. I'm not going to go check it. <laughs> I have both versions. What we're talking about this series is the album, which this episode, I'm going to go over all the songs from the EP because it's the first side of the album, which I've completed. Um, which is getting song Magical Mystery Tour and um, to the I Am The Walrus song, which is, takes up the entire first side of the album or just the entire EP. However, I'm doing it in the album's order. <clears throat> so anyways, let's uh, get right into it. First song going over, as I've said earlier, is Magical Mystery Tour, the opening song. On April 11th, 1967, Paul was on an overnight flight from America when he came up with the song Magical Mystery Tour. By the time he first took it to the studio, he had no more than the title and three chords. Um, he had tried to get the other Beatles to contribute lyrics, but their energy was low, so Paul finished the lyrics on his own. Magical Mystery Tour was conceived originally to give the Beatles a new meaning and direction, and was recorded just four days after they had completed Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band in early 1967. Paul had based the idea of an LSD-inspired bus off of Ken K Casey's, Casey's? <laughs> Mary Prankster's LSD bus. <clears throat> Paul had devised a plan for a film where the Beatles and other various actors would drive around England and record what happened. There was no script. Paul was the only one who knew where they were going next. They filmed various skits and music videos for the special as well. The film was critically panned and is considered to be the Beatles' first ever commercial failure however i do enjoy the film you can find it on internet archive for free um <clears throat> and um the album slash wp were a critical success though like everything else the Beatles did um uh yeah okay that's magical mystery tour i wrote down a bunch of things i already said <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, anyways, next song on the album is called Fool is the Fool on the Hill. Um, and this song was another Paul song, two Paul songs in a row. And that's all you really. The third song is Flying. I don't know. <laughs> a Fool on the Hill was originally composed on a piano at Paul's dad's house. Beatles biographer Hunter Davies recalls the first time that Paul ever sung it to John. And here's a quote from Hunter Davies. Beatles biographer, famed. <laughs> Paul then went back to his guitar and started to sing and play a very slow, beautiful song about a foolish man sitting on the hill. John listened to it quietly, staring blankly out the window, almost as if, 
almost as if he wasn't listening. Paul sang it many times, lalaing words he hadn't thought of yet. When at last he finished, John said he better write the words down. He'd forget them. Paul said it was okay. He wouldn't forget them. It was the first time Paul had played it for John. There was no discussion. Um, <clears throat> for the film, Paul had flown to France to shoot the TV sequence for Fool on a Hill with Mal Evans and a cameraman named Aubrey Duar. When he was in France, he had no money or passport with him, so he talked his way through customs, using probably his fame status as a Beatle. <laughs> By 1967, I'm pretty sure most people know who they are. <laughs> um, and here is a quote where Paul talks about the filming of Fool on the Hill. <sighs> I'm not going to do an accent. <laughs> I decided I'm not doing an accent. Um, let's see. Uh, Paul says that I just ad-libbed the whole thing. I went... Right, get over there, let me dance, let me jump over this rock to this rock, get a lot of the sun rising, get a perfect shot, and let me stand in front of it. I just had a little Phillips cassette to mime to and roughly get the feeling of the song. There was no clapper because there was no sound. It was very spontaneous, as it was the whole of Magical Mystery Tour. Later, when we came to try to edit it all, it was very difficult because I haven't set it to sync. third song on the album is called Flying. It is the first and only Beatles instrumental to be featured on Beatles record, if you don't count the anthology um, previous instrumentals, which is like If You Got Trouble and Cry for a Shadow, um, which were earlier compositions, but this is the only one to be on a 60s Beatles record and officially released. Recorded as incidental music for the film, and it was originally a seven-minute composition titled Aerial Tour Instrumental. And that take can be found on YouTube. Um, it's, it's, an, it's an interesting listen. Because um, it's kind of different. Um, it is the Beatles fir- first Beatles recording to be credited to all four Beatles. And the scenes found in the movie are outtakes from Stanley Kubrick's film, Dr. Strangelove from 1964, I believe. Um, the next song on the album is called Blue Jay Way. It's the only George song on Magical Mystery Tour. When, written when Harrison was waiting for Beatles publicist Derek Taylor to arrive. Taylor was stuck in the fog in L.A. George said, here's a George Harrison quote. (laughs) Here's a big George Harrison quote, I think. Um, Derek Taylor got held up. He rang to say he'd be late. I told him on the phone that the house was in Blue Jay Way, and he said he couldn't find it. Okay, that kind of rhymes. Back to the quote. He could always ask a cop, so I waited and waited. I felt really knackered with the flight, but I didn't want to go to sleep until he came. There was a fog, and it got later and later. To keep myself awake just as a joke, to pass the time while I waited, I wrote a song about waiting for him in Blue Jay Way. There was a little Hammond organ in the corner of the house, which he hadn't noticed until then. I'm switching between first and third person. <laughs> I gotta stop. Uh, so, I'm, so, he, so I messed around on it, and the song came. And that's the end quote. Uh, Harrison had found an organ in the house he was staying in and wrote the song, which is what the quote said. (laughs) Um, Next song, second to last song we're going to talk about today, is called Your Mother Should Know. She should. (laughs) Um, It took its title from the screenplay Taste of Honey, the music found inspiration from the golden age of music hall. And this is a short explanation. Uh, Your Mother Should Know was another song considered to be played by the Beatles at the Our World broadcast. You know what the Our World broadcast is? is the first worldwide television broadcast. 
And what that means is the first TV broadcast of all time to be um, able to be watched from all corners of the globe, wherever there was a TV. Instead of doing Your Mother Should Know, they did All You Need Is Love because they had a message that could get around to everyone else and they could spread it. Um, next song is called I Am The Walrus. This is the last song we're doing today. Um, and then next week I'll talk about the songs that weren't in the film but were also on the American version. Um, I Am The Walrus is a John song. I think it's, is it that the first on the album? Yeah, it's the first John song on the album. <laughs> um... It is a mainly Paul album, I gotta say. Um, John wrote this song after he had received a letter from a fan who was in a class that analyzed Beatles lyrics, and John wanted to mess with them. After Pete Shotton told him he should do and he should make a nonsense tour de force, just to kind of mess with their whole deal. <laughs> it was released on both Magical Mystery tours and as a single to the B side of "Hello Goodbye," which angered John Lennon because. Um, George Martin and Paul cited against him um, because they felt that Hello Goodbye was a more commercial song. Uh, John Lennon wrote its opening lines under the influence of LSD, and it is another Beatles song that is made up of different song fragments glued together into one coherent piece. The title of the song came from Lewis Carroll's poem, and also the protagonist, The Walrus, came from this poem, too. It's called The Walrus and the Carpenter from the book Through the Looking Glass, and the Eggman was a reference to Lewis Carroll's Humpty Dumpty. Um, the, BB the BBC banned the song, like they do with a lot of Beatles songs from this era, um, for a group of lyrics that were featured in the song. The song was recorded nine days after the death of Brian Epstein, but that is except for the orchestra overdubs, which were recorded on September 27th, 1967. And that's all I'm going to do today. Um, it's my first episode in two months, so I'll be back in two weeks um, to do Magical Mystery Tour 2, and then I'll have that done, and then I'll see what I'm doing next. Um, anyways, thank you so much for listening. Um, and this has been the first all those years ago classic album podcast in like three months and um oh, i should probably i get my information from the beatles bible you just look that up and you can go to magical mystery tour i um get stuff from there and i get stuff from books and stuff like that but a lot of it comes from beatles bible nowadays uh anyways so that's it for this episode like i've said <laughs> and yeah that's it. Mm -hmm.